Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And who's this guy? I'm Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you've raised the audience's expectations too high. We don't have Batman, we've got some guy. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, we've got someone else in here. It's our good friend Baz. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Very well. It's not a two-way street. (laughs) (laughs) You introduced yourself to the internet, I want to get in on that. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, why is Baz here? Why couldn't we just told them that we have Batman? And I could just do the Batman voice every now and then, and people would have thought we did have Batman. You have a bad track record with putting on voices on the <laughs> podcast. You lose it pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty much everything turns into a cowboy voice. <laughs> I think I could have kept this one going. I'm Batman. Do you have any other lines other than saying your own name? <laughs> yes. I'm the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> We're gonna fight pain. Oh, we've lost it. Okay. We might hear from Batman a bit later in the podcast. <laughs> so Baz, I hear you're a bit of a, a Batman fanatic. That's why you're here. Mm. Yes, and um, I specifically requested to come on the podcast so I could give my views. So you must be a fan. You listen to the podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted everyone to know what I thought of it, really. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> just a platform. <laughs> I was told you'd listen to some before we agreed to have you on. Um, I did listen to some on okay. the plane to right. France. Okay. They don't put need, me to don't sleep, need your whole life so. story. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Matt, you said you were a bit of a, a fan of Batman uh, in our Spider-Man podcast. Yes, I did. You read the comics, watch the cartoons? Um, yeah, no, as, as a kid, I really got into uh, Batman. Actually, Bass is a bit of an old friend of ours, and he's probably the person who got me into Batman. As a kid, we used to, like, watch the... Batman animated series together, yeah. and that was a great show. That was a really, uh, I, I think that's... Uh, it won awards for its music. It won, it won awards for its music. Yeah. It won the Emmy Award for Best Animated Series yeah. one year, yeah. Beat the Simpsons. So, love the uh, original uh, Batman film um, done yeah. by Tim Burton. With Michael Keaton. With uh, Michael Keaton and uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson as the Joker. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't think anyone could do a Joker better than him. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, not anyone uh, alive, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so I, I love Batman. I love that he's a superhero with no superpower. Anyone could be Batman. Isn't wealth a superpower, though? If you've got the wealth to develop gadgets and run your own corporation and be a billionaire, then... You know, yeah, because superpower in worldly have, terms, yeah. yeah. It would make you the funniest character in the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and I would say, like, I did just sort of say anyone could be Batman, but no, not everyone could be Batman. Yeah. The amount of money he has to spend on these. I feel like certainly you don't have the upper body strength to <laughs> pull off <laughs> some of his moods either, Matthew. So I think there's like a certain physical characteristic you need to have. Yeah. Um, maybe. But like, remember, I didn't spend like five years in Siberia getting like trained in fighting. So, uh, yeah, no, I think he's a great superhero and great villains. The Batman lineup of villains are great. And that's why the animated show is so good, because each week he got a, a different one of these great villains it's, that he was coming up against. I agree. It's the, yeah. it's the most well-known gallery of rogues of all the superheroes um, there is. And the Joker yeah. is the most outstanding villain of all time, I reckon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm prepared big, to... I'll put my hand villain. on that, definitely. Big villain. Because he has no reason for what he does, other than he just wants to do it. And... No one can ever understand that. That's brilliant. It's like Iago in Othello. Oh, 
Oh, not really happy with that return to Jafar reference. There. Not, Iago, not the Iago everyone knows from Aladdin, but some guy in an old play that no one's heard of. No one's heard, yeah, no one's heard of Shakespeare. Well, like it's no. Is that that's a bit it's like pub in the Surrey Hills? Well, that's, that's a, <laughs> you're talking down to your listeners a bit there, aren't you, Matthew? No one's heard of Shakespeare. Bit of something. Uh, uh, no, I get to, kudos to any of the listeners that uh, have a better memory of Aladdin. Of and uh, Return of Jafar over Shakespeare. I know what's contributed more to culture. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, no, like, so you don't like motivations in your characters, I guess? Uh, I like motivations that are uh, hard to understand. Uh, so his, his motivation for doing what he does is, like, almost pure enjoyment of chaos. Mm. And it's hard to understand for regular people, I yeah. think. Um, and, and look, you've got a great lineup of villains, right? Um, like, like, because I think these other superheroes, they've sort of got, like, Spider-Man's got the villain that people remember when they think of him. Peter Spookman as that bald Who? guy. Who's the Spider-Man villain? Isn't it like, that guy, that octopus guy? No, See, you can't remember. Like, I, feel like, I feel like if there's one one villain and you can't remember his name, it's hardly memorable. The the goblin, the green goblin. It's the green goblin. Yeah, Jonathan's kind of looking bemused at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, well, this is getting cut. <laughs> I just say, most of you like Spider-Man, Superman, they got the white, Superman's got that bald Lex guy, Luthor. Lex Luthor, and things. Like, whereas Batman, like, he's got the Joker that everyone knows, but, like, then there's the Riddler, then there's the Penguin, then Two there's Face. Two-Face, and there's, like, there's, like, about six other villains that are just iconic as well in their own right. Mm-hmm. It's just very incredible. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on Batman as a as a superhero, as a humanitarian, as a... I would probably list Batman as my favourite superhero. I remember watching the show as a child as well. I think some of my earliest memories are playing with Batman toys, little yeah, figurines. Yeah. Some yeah. of my earliest memories are also <laughs> playing with Batman toys, Matthew. Yes, uh, I, I, I yes, I threw Bass's Batman action figure onto a roof. Yes. Okay, it did have a parachute on it. <laughs> I like thought it could get off, but just because <laughs> something has a parachute doesn't mean it can climb off a roof as an inanimate object. <laughs> <laughs> I just seen Toy Story. Didn't know exactly how these things worked. <laughs> I hadn't seen that many of the earlier films. I think I'd seen. So you've been saved from Joel Schumacher's. Yeah, apparently, fortunately, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen yeah. Batman Forever, which was weird. That was that was a strange <laughs> film. I did not understand a lot of that. <laughs> Bit over your head. <laughs> Fortunately, most of my Batman film knowledge comes from Batman Begins and The mm. Dark Knight, which mm. is directed by Christopher Nolan. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about Christopher Nolan. He wrote and directed this. Mm-hmm. He co-wrote it with his brother. Yeah. Jonathan. I'm called Jonathan. Mm. Is so, your last name Nolan? <laughs> well, just check the intro of every podcast. <laughs> I love Christopher Nolan. Oh, he's one of my favourite directors. He did Memento. That's one of my yeah. favourite films. Mm-hmm. I think The Prestige is great. Mm. The Inception was good. Mm-hmm. Saw a Christopher Nolan box set at JB Hi-Fi today, Blu-ray. Interestingly, the four movies that they had were Batman, Dark Knight, Inception, and, yeah, The Prestige. No Memento, which I found strange. I love the Memento. Oh, it was great. 
We don't normally give out free plugs for companies on the podcast. <laughs> so we edit that out, JB, unless you can sweeten the pot for us. We'll send, be sending them an email. It wasn't so much, it wasn't so much a, a point about JB as, like, interesting that... Uh, any press off. is good press, Baz. Uh, any, uh, <laughs> leave off. And the um, Screen Verdict podcast is press. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, what do you think, Christopher? Yeah, um, he's pretty good. Like, Inception was a good movie. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, good movies. Prestige was all right. Yeah, he's does a pretty good job when it comes to directing movies. See, I've seen, I think, all of his films except for Insomnia, and I'd probably rate all of them probably 8 out of 10 or better. So I'm a pretty big fan. Mm. Now, he's in control of the, the Batman series. We've got Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, which leads into mm. The Dark Knight Rises. So let's mm. talk a little bit about those. Mm. What did you think of this particular reboot of the Batman series? Um, I remember seeing Batman Begins, and I thought it was a fairly good reboot. I didn't fall in love with it or get really excited about it the way I did the animated series or the Nicholson, uh, Keaton Batman. So I thought, they've done a good job. I like this movie. It's good. But the first half was pretty slow. Um, a lot of stuff like him just, like, in China fighting Liam Neeson and things like that. Yeah, I, I just feel like the beginning's a bit messy and a bit all over the place. Oh, really? um, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. But I like the end bit when you get the scarecrow and stuff uh, rock on up and you get a bit more of the the sort of the conflict and uh, leads up to it. I think, I don't think it's bad that it was uh, somewhat slow and they set up the character of Batman. I think that laid a good foundation for the series. I just think it wasn't, it was maybe a little too long. Anyway, what, what, did you what do you think of Batman Trump? Begins, John? Well, I, I didn't watch it last night, so it's not as fresh in my mind. But I remember I really liked Batman Begins. And I thought, often with superhero stories and films, there's a reason why they become a superhero. And sometimes I think it's a little thin. Mm. I think Batman Begins did a good job of making you understand why mm. Bruce Wayne decided to become Batman. Yes. And sort of gave that a reason and a purpose, not only for him, but for the whole city of Gotham. Mm. So I think that was one of the things that stuck out, stuck, stuck, stuck out for me in that film. And as well as just being a relatively well-paced, entertaining action film. So I thought it was a good start to the series. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was I was utterly blown away by it. Yeah, to be honest, well, like well, compared to the the last Batman that we had was Batman and Robin with the nipple suit. I mean, like George uh, Clooney, yeah, there, George, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and to have and to have a new kind of dark version of yeah. Batman, which is what I always envisaged Batman to be in my mind, um, was outstanding. Because if you go back, even if you go back and look at the Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson Batman, it's dark and gothic, but it's a little silly at the same time. They don't deal with the yeah. subject matter of who Batman is and why he is the way he is as seriously. And I think yes. that's just a real strength of the Nolan version of Batman. And this led into a film called The Dark Knight. I think mm. some people have seen it. Yes. Uh, it's been in the well. top ten box office uh, yeah, of all time. I was in Chicago when this movie came out, which is where they filmed Batman. Um, and the cinemas were all sold out. We couldn't get a ticket to see it. I was with some people and they cried because they wanted to see it and we couldn't. And I think we had to just go get dinner instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, better story. I tried to pull Sneaky to get into The Dark Knight. I went up to the person uh, working at the cinema and I'm like, oh, do you have any tickets left for The Dark Knight? And she's like, no, nah, sorry, we don't have any. And I was like, oh, look, we're Australians. 
we, you know, obviously Heath Ledger, you know, you know, he's very big down there. We just really want to see him tonight. <laughs> Do you have any? Do you have any like seats you save for celebrities if they like rock up? Like some celebrity seats saved? Do you know, sometimes with theatre in the theatre, they've got like in case the Queen or something comes to the show, Just they've got some tickets. Yeah. And she forgot to tell people. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard of that policy. To be honest, no, no. no. In the theatre in West End, they've got like if some celebrity rocks up, some. I feel seats like the theatre in West End is like a world away from some dive. Cinema <laughs> um, in Chicago, Matthew. I mean, like, what sort of celebrities are you hoping will turn up there? Well, anyway, they didn't have any seats saved for celebrities yes. in this cinema. So, not surprised. I feel like Baz <laughs> guessed that. Yeah. He, he was ahead of the story. <laughs> so, uh, we had to not see the movie. But we eventually saw it in Indianapolis. I feel like you guys missed out on my uh, Heath Ledger having a huge dong joke. Oh. That's when you said he's big down there and you said, oh, is he? Oh, okay. so, <laughs> I thought you were like, is he really that big in Australia? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Is he really that big? A little bit too deadpan, maybe, John. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the story would have peaked with that joke other than, and then we saw it in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we did eventually all end up seeing The yes. Dark Knight. Yes. What did we think, Matt? What did you, when you eventually saw it, did you enjoy it? Uh, this film blew me away. I loved it. It was so good. Um, the Joker obviously got a lot of attention in this film, Heath Ledger's performance. Great performance, great character. But I think what I was really impressed with this film, because I was expecting the Joker to be really good, was uh, how, through the character of Harvey Dent, what that film was saying about how the city uh, needed a galvanising figure. And actually the things that film was saying, using the character of Harvey Dent, the character of Batman, and the character of Joker to make a, I think, political message about how the people need a hero. What uh, the movie was trying to say was um, where there is chaos and uh, sort of borderline anarchy, need something to uh, cling to. And it's got to be the right thing to cling to. It Mm. It can't be a psychopath. It can't be, like, a false idol, like, um, and that theme is continued in The Dark Knight Rises. And it can't always be Batman, even though that's who it needs to be, ultimately. Mm. Jonathan, what do you think about The Dark Knight? I, like most people, love this film. I think it had things to say. It was well-paced. There was good turns. I was hooked the whole time. And I think it had classic moments. It had things that you remembered. It got people talking, like Joker's pencil trick. Mm. <laughs> and it had lines, like, why it's so serious. Like, people would quote this. It was something you could enjoy and take with you for a long time after you'd seen it. Mm. And I think it was really well shot as well. Things like Joker in the back of the police car with his head out the window just as mm-hmm. they drive along slowly and all the sounds kind of drop out of the way. I think yeah. things like that were really beautiful. Mm. So not only was it entertaining i think it was well crafted yeah. and i think it was an improvement on batman begins i'd probably give it about nine out of ten or something mm-hmm. I, I really really enjoyed yeah i agree i think the dark knight was the best film i've ever seen i was whoa <laughs> I, I was i was like blown it's, away in drive territory <laughs> i was absolutely blown away by it so expectations were sort of well tempered medium maybe for the dark knight rises <laughs> Got Nolan directing the following 
the best film of all time. We couldn't hope for too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, like on the back of, like, me going with Batman Begins Compendium. Oh, I was a little disappointed compared to you guys with that one. Even I'm saying, no, that was incredible, The Dark Knight. So even, like, my expectations were through the roof for this. But it's a dreaded trilogy. It's a dreaded third movie. Mm, yeah, like, mm. yeah, X-Men yeah. 3, Spider-Man 3, they they really they really killed Back it. Back to the Future 3? Oh, come on, man. That's terrible Where's movie. Cowboy That's Hats? Where's Cowboy Hats, man? <laughs> I guess we could hang on to Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, mm. but the trend. So let's get into The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. We'll talk a bit about the, the setup, what yeah. some of the characters mm-hmm. have going on. Yeah. Batman's in it. Yes. He's a character. Or is he? Like, he's in it, but not the beginning. No, but he's, he, the, the idea, the concept of Batman okay. is, like, yes, throughout yeah, the whole movie. Yeah. Which is, which is like, a little different to the first two. Like, Batman as an ideal, as opposed to Batman as uh, a person, I think is, like, mm. more prominent in the first two. But Batman as an ideal, as a concept, is, like, not, not always the accurate conception of Batman, because at first people... Don't like him. Yeah, because Batman has ruined his reputation Yeah, uh, at the end of the last movie. He sort of falls on Harvey Dent's sword almost. Makes Harvey Dent the the martyr that can inspire the people and Batman is the villain who um, murdered Harvey Dent. So this is eight years in the future. Mm. Batman's been out of action for a while. Mm. And Commissioner Gordon. Not looking too bad for eight years older. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess Batman's story or Bruce Wayne's story is, will he bring back Batman? Yes. So he's got his personal reasons why he wants to do it for him, dealing with his own demons of <laughs> losing the girl and what has the symbolism of Batman change and also whether the city needs mm. Batman. Mm. And you think he has, to some degree, hung up the cape and the mask and you think there's going to need to be something happen to bring him back into the fault. He's not just going to one day go, oh, there's a burglary down on... A burglary. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he did that, because that's not a word. <laughs> He's not going to be, oh, there's a robbery at the convenience store. I better be Batman again. Quick, get out the new Bat car. You think something's going to need to trigger him coming back out of the woodwork? Was this interesting? Did we enjoy seeing him decide to become Batman? Or did we just think... Eh, like, we saw Batman in the trailer. He's going to be Batman anyway. Let's speed this up. I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought the reason that he became Batman again for the first time when he goes to fight Bane and everything like that, it, it demonstrates why you have to be Batman for the right reasons. And him, Bruce Wayne, trying to constantly fight against his own demons to try and realise that, I thought was exceptional. I thought it was really well done. Hmm. I feel like Bruce Wayne was letting himself go a bit, though. Like, he's sort of, like, growing a beard. He's walking around in a walking stick. It seems like he's just staying in the top level of his house, like, looking at people from, but like, that, the, pillars. The physical, the physical manifestation of his illness is, like, you know, so that the audience can feel more of the anguish that Bruce Wayne's gone through. But maybe you should be able to move on from things like this. He's sort of holding on to that thing. What about John? I think that's Batman's whole character that he holds on to. But I'm saying, just about to give him some advice, that would be the advice I give him. I get why you're not Batman anymore. Well, you and Alfred both. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you need to move on. But that you want, that you want 
him to do that means that the film is having the correct effect. Yeah, I get why they've done in the film. It's like, I wanted to give him a hug and some advice. What do you, like, you agree with me, don't you, Jonathan, that, like... Yeah, we're reviewing the film, though, not providing, like, therapy for a fictional character. (laughs) So part of the reason why the city needs Bruce Wayne to become Batman again is Bane. Bane is the villain in The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. The Bane of Batman's Batman's existence. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got some big shoes to try and fill, following in Heath Ledger's role as the villain in the Batman films. Yes. Oscar, Oscar winning performance that I think everyone got very excited about. Now, I'm a huge fan of Tom Hardy. He was in the film Bronson, and I consider that to be the best acting performance of all time. That's one of my favourite films, and I think his role, his performance in that, stunning. (laughs) So to see him as a Batman villain, and there's a lot of potential in being a Batman villain, Mm. I think, I thought was super intriguing. The thing about Bane is, though, he has a mask. So when he talks, we can see his eyes, but we don't really get to see his facial expressions, Mm. and the mask sort of modifies his voice. Mm. So I don't really get to see or hear... Tom Hardy's inflections in in how he talks either. Mm, mm. So I think a lot of Tom Hardy's performance is lost in the character. I think basically just any sort of, regardless of how it's written, how good the character is, just in terms of the performance, don't you think just any big guy could have done that? I I, I see what you're saying. And I think that um, for me, like the actual physical cinema that you see the movie in has a lot of effect on that because... I, so I saw the movie twice, and the first cinema that we saw it at, the bass wasn't quite turned up so much, and you can understand him more, and you got more of what he was saying, and you got his ability to uh, inflect, even though his his voice was modified. The second the second cinema, the bass was like right up, and like half the words were muffled. Yeah, that's true. So, I I actually probably only heard about. 75% of what he said. I actually lost quite a few oh, of the lines yeah. because of the, the voice. Yeah, so I, 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 the first time I watched it, I thought he was amazing. Like, I actually actually really appreciated his performance. What I thought was a bit unfortunate was it was clear that in some scenes they had redone his lines and his vocal cords that you could see a little bit weren't quite moving at the same time as the character's voice. And his hand movements were gesturing at just the wrong time. <laughs> and so you got a sense that, you know, it was clear that he had recorded the voice after he'd actually filmed it in the in the scene. So, so I, all I you actually, nerds that uh, go onto those mistakes in movies yeah. websites, you can point <laughs> out which scene the, the, <laughs> the audio didn't quite match up with his Adam's apple movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hopefully, uh, Chris Knowles is listening to this podcast and, uh, you can now, For the director's uh, cut. The director's yeah, cut. Can uh, fix that, up, fix, fix up that yeah. please? Um, come on, man. Yeah. You've had a few of these to work on. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, like, oh, it depends what cinema you see it in. In some cinemas, he's not wearing the mask. Two versions. Yeah, he did the mask version of the not mask. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, this is interesting with Bane because... Like, a lot of excitement, and as someone who grew up with Batman, there are the iconic Batman villains. I didn't really know much about Bane, like, when they announced Bane as the well, villain in the film. I didn't get that excited, if you to be honest. Like, 
And that's not surprising because Bane as a villain didn't exist until 1993. Batman's been around since 19, the 1920s mm. um, and Bane is a relatively new villain in the comic book world and so all the past history um, with the animated series, with the previous Batman series, with the 1960s Batman series, you know, that all goes into, you know, who we think Batman is. Bane's not there. He's only he only comes in nineteen ninety three, and it comes in like the third or fourth season of the animated series, I think, as well. So yeah. there is a there is a reason for that. Having said that, I think Bane is an excellent villain in the comic books, and I'm glad that they did him in the big screen. I wonder if the other villains were a bit like annoyed that like uh, they're like we've been around since the twenties <laughs> or the fifties or whenever. And this Bane rocks up, and he's now in the, like the lead in this big like movie, like a bit maybe like how the most of the Sesame Street characters feel about Elmo, like getting a lot of like movies and stuff now. <laughs> I think that's because Bane, as a character, lends himself more to the darker, serious uh, yeah. new Batman yeah. series as yeah. opposed to the Riddler or something that. It could be done seriously, but to some extent is always going to be a little sort of cartoony. Yeah, 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 definitely. And in the comic books, he's, um, Bat- he's billed as Batman's physical and intellectual equal. I had heard, I had said to people, other Batman fans, maybe not you, but other Batman fans, I said, oh, new Batman movie, Bane's going to be, and I'm like, yeah, Bane, like, looks like a strong guy. I like the smart people, like the the uh, the Joker or the Riddler. They're, they're the villains, I like the ones that are good strategists. Yeah, and but that's what that's because you've seen Batman and Robin, and Bane in Batman and Robin is terrible. He's like uh, Poison Ivy's like yeah. weird henchman that just kind of yeah. you know gets some poison in him and goes psycho. I'll be honest like, when, I, when I had this know. reaction, I forgot he was in Batman and Robin. I was just going off the picture of the oh, strong okay. guy, yeah. um, and thought, oh, this is like just a matter. Like, so you have even enough. less basis yeah. to make this unfair <laughs> assumption. He's <laughs> big. He mustn't yeah. have any strategy. <laughs> <Yeah. in> <laughs> well, the Riddler has like question marks on him. Like he's obviously got a thinking guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then pe- people said to me, "No, you're an idiot. You're making a baseless assumption." Bane's like just as smart as he is, strong the kind of stuff you just said. Yeah. But I didn't really see him be that smart in this movie. Like, you know, um that speech that he gives about hope and despair to to Bruce Wayne, like he he absolutely destroys who Bruce Wayne used used to be and um, as a consequence of that, he creates a new Batman. So the the new, the second sort of inception of Batman is a consequence of Bane's utter humiliation of every, and final humiliation of everything that Batman used to be. Plus, he blows up a stadium. How can you say that he's not that clever? Oh, I got, uh, like, explosives and put them in the ground. Like, and blew up a stadium. Like, it seems like... I'd like yeah, to see you blow up a stadium. <laughs> I like that speech about hope as well. I think I understood what the film was trying to say, but in terms of how he went about that, I sort of more felt that came from Bruce Wayne and Batman's shortcomings as opposed to Bane doing anything that interesting or clever as a villain. Like, I don't think it is that easy just to blow up a stadium. No. But in terms of what we were shown, like, while watching the film, in order for him to achieve that, it seemed kind of easy or wasn't that interesting, really, that... Yeah, like, I, I sort of thought with Bane, like, he gives this big speech in front of the prison to sort of rally the people, but you, you don't see how, what psychological thing he does in order to 
get the people in a state where it does psychologically change the way they view the world. Like, you sort of like, how did he get all these construction workers on his side and things like that? Like, I didn't see that from Bane, like the same way with the Joker. No, no, but you, that means you've missed like something that's at the start of the movie when um, Bane, Bane uses the fact that, that, okay, so the Joker has utterly humiliated um, Batman by yes. trading yes. Two-Face and then he's yeah. broken. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yes. as a consequence of that, Bruce Wayne is a broken man yes. and he um, loses his control of of Wayne yes. Enterprises. Mm. As a consequence, Wayne Enterprises stops making profits and stops yes. funding boys' homes. Yes. Okay? And as a consequence of that, the most needy people in society are left. Like, you know, that, there's that story of the one guy that turns 18 and then you find him in the sewer. They found him in yeah, the sewer, yeah. right? Mm. And so it is those people that are no longer cared for by Bruce Wayne slash Batman as a concept yeah. are, like, are left. Yeah. And, he uses, and he uses that... Um, to to like uh, create an army to undermine the city. It's those people that are fulfilling his. Bane does none of this though. Bane just r- rides in and takes advantage of the situation he, that he Batman created for himself. No, he assesses the situation. That is like you have to be able to see the grand scheme of things to be able to put position yourself correctly. Yeah, I like the Joker who creates the situation. Did anyone find the orphans rather manipulative? <laughs> no, not the orphans. <laughs> yeah. Our like, our, like boys' homes, funding boys' homes, has such a big impact on Gotham City's economy. Like that, that's going to like affect like, like a symbol. Yeah, I, I know it's a symbol, but so that might be enough about Bane. Yeah, I thought the thing he did on the plane was sort of no. Another. It's not enough about Bane. <laughs> no, I thought Bane's reveal was excellent. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I thought the we pl- could see it coming, but yeah, we could see it coming. The plane yeah. stuff with Bane—that was a clever plan of cr- of getting on the plane and crashing the plane. And yeah. I like that. It just seemed to go on a little bit too long. Yeah, like, maybe. I just thought it was paced a bit strangely. It wasn't very action-y. There was a lot of just looking at one guy and then there's another guy. And I'm like, yeah, the plane's crashing and there's a shot of a guy and another guy. And I'm like, yeah, just make it crash or whatever. It's a two-hour, 45-minute movie. I feel like there were scenes that I felt dragged a bit more than that particular one. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, okay, my least favourite scene in the entire movie yeah. was after Bruce Wayne have sex have sex, okay, then there's that scene of Batman just standing on the skyline in his cape like, like, yeah, <laughs> just and sex. <laughs> That's uh, revealing about yeah. his character how he celebrates. Yeah. Sex. <laughs> I'm gonna put on my bat suit now. Stand on a tall building. Yeah. Speaking of women, yes, there's another woman in this movie, a yeah. cat-like woman. Catwoman. Do they ever actually refer to her as Catwoman? I don't think they do. No, no, no they, don't. Don't. they don't. But she is Catwoman. Which is- Excellent. The only reference to a cat is the newsreel at the start. I was surprised she didn't even own a cat. Like, I thought there'd be a cat in her apartment. Now, talking about talking about cats and references to cats, oh, no. um, <laughs> I believe you owe me a beer. What? Over under. Yeah, I do. I owe you a beer. <laughs> we had a sweep on how many times the word pussy would be used in the movie. <laughs> That sort of be under 1.5. I thought it'd be over. So, yeah, you win. I'm kind of glad Baz won. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely would have spoiled the most serious look at it. But I thought Catwoman was done excellently. Without a tail. I was pleased. Yeah, I think the tail. tail doesn't really yeah. match. Yeah, what, what did you think of Catwoman, Jonathan? I was interested to see how Anne Hathaway would do as Catwoman. In my mind, I thought she was a bit skinny and wouldn't be that athletic or sexy as Catwoman, but... 
she had some pretty good moves. Some of the fight scenes, she was actually quite impressive. In terms of her character, I think she had some good interactions with Bruce Wayne and Batman and sort of revealed some interesting character traits. In terms of plot points, I don't think I found her as interesting as other things that were going on in the film. Yeah, I I really liked Anne Hathaway's Catwoman in this movie. In some ways, it was uh, one of the highlights in the film for me. Um, I feel like she added a bit of energy um, when she was on the screen. Like, I, I feel like I enjoyed it when her and Batman were doing stuff together. Like, I thought they made a good team. I agree. Yeah, yeah. and I like, like, um, so I, I really liked that and, like, a lot, like, I'm glad they went that route rather than bringing in a Robin for this movie for Batman to be working with. I liked that it was Cat, a Catwoman that yeah. he was with. I thought it was fun. There was some good uh, sexual chemistry there with uh, them as well, which I liked. I was hoping for some Bat-on-Cat action. Um, <laughs> so I, um, but, yeah, no, I thought that was, that was great. And, like, I feel like the, the long period, especially since maybe Bane wasn't as charismatic as the Joker was, uh, it was she was missed a bit when there were large chunks of the film that Catwoman wasn't in. That was pretty good. So, I, yeah, I loved it. Maybe my, uh, my MVP, I think, to Anne Hathaway for this movie. I thought she was very good. Baz, you're a fan of Catwoman? Yeah, I was, I was, I was uh, not looking forward to Catwoman being in the movie, to be oh. honest. I was... I thought it's not going to fit in with the Nolan universe um, that he's created, but he surprised me, and I thought she was excellent. Uh, I liked the costume. I liked the fact that the cat ears weren't cat ears. Those girls were wicked. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree utterly with what Matthew said in terms of the energy that she brought to the film and the kind of relief that she gave to the grimness that mm. sort of takes over the entire film. I liked her as a girlfriend for Batman, too. Because I feel like Batman, he's just going to have, like, some, like, innocent DA or just some rich, like, person, like, just some... I like to see Batman with a girl that's sort of a bit bad. Like, and you're not, you're a bit unsure about her motives and things like that. I I found that a lot more interesting, a relationship for Bruce Wayne, someone who is in the gray area when it comes to the law, than just like your Maggie Gyllenhaal, who there's just nothing wrong with. Uh, We're going to do a screw, marry, kill game. We love the screw, marry, kill games. And uh, we're going to do the three, uh, probably most famous Catwomen. Uh, We're going to be doing them. By that we mean (laughs) most (laughs) recent. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Anne Hathaway Catwoman, the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman yep. from Batman Returns, and the Halle Berry Catwoman from the movie Catwoman. Okay? My decision is the least informed, so I'm going to go off mostly just costume. <laughs> it seems pretty easy, though. I'm going to screw Michelle Pfeiffer, marry Anne Hathaway, kill Harry Berry. Okay. And reasons behind there why... That's the order in which I liked their costumes. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, wait. But what are you like? What are you ranking as the high? Obviously, Kill is like the worst costume. But is Screw better or Mary better? As a married man, Baz, I feel <laughs> like my wife might be offended listening to uh, <laughs> this question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking what you think, Jonathan. <laughs> that's uh, that's placing uh, Mary at the top. Okay. Yeah, I don't think this is too difficult. Um, I really loved Anna Hathaway in this movie. She was a really uh, fun and nice, and so I'm d- definitely marrying her. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer is somewhat likable in uh, her movie too, although she's mental. She's like, 
crazy. Like you wouldn't be want to be married to Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer's character no. uh, in that movie at all. But Michelle Pfeiffer, especially in nineteen uh, ninety or whenever that movie came out, pretty attractive and. Um, like, I definitely liked her in that movie. I thought she was good in it. Um, so I'll go Michelle Pfeiffer, screw, and kill her, Halle Berry. I haven't seen that movie, uh, but it looks horrible. She won a Razzie for that. Yeah, mm. yeah. It looks horrible, awful. I can't imagine that person being very likable at all. And I can't imagine, like, uh, marrying them would be satisfying or having sex with that character would be satisfying because <laughs> nothing it's about beyond that mo- the realm yeah, of yeah. imagination. <laughs> nothing, nothing about that movie was satisfying from what I heard. Bass, ah, yes. Well, Jonathan, as you've alluded to, I am a married man. But to suspend disbelief for uh, a moment, I would say that I agree with you guys about Anne Hathaway. She was certainly the most interesting of the three Catwomen, and the the one that you could spend the most time with by, by a long stretch of the imagination. So definitely marrying her. Uh, bit of a toss-up for me, really, between Halle Berry and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as to who to screw or marry. Because, um, you know, I have seen Catwoman, the movie, unfortunately. Oh, my. And, I, I know, oh and my. it was genuinely horrible. It was genuinely horrible. But um, Michelle Pfeiffer kind of ruined Batman Returns for me. Oh. So I wasn't really a fan of her in that film. Mm. Uh, so... Um, probably that she ruined a Batman movie, or didn't ruin it, but made it um, less enjoyable. I'll have to kill her, and um, I'll leave some screw for Halle Berry. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is crazy, but I hear, like, crazy people give good sex. They give good sex. <laughs> they give good sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what, 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 that is that is the phrase used by someone that doesn't give good sex. <laughs> uh, so we've got a, one of our favourite segments. What has blank taught us? Uh, so uh, today's instalment is going to be uh, called "What has the Dark Knight Rises taught us?" So Jonathan, what has the Dark Knight Rises taught you? Well, Matt, it has taught me that I have a fairly poor understanding of anatomical science, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by this is, in the film, a character at one point apparently has a vertebrate sticking out of their back. <laughs> and how you fix that is by punching it back in, which I would have thought was a bad idea. <laughs> if you're ever in a situation where someone has a vertebrate sticking out of the back, do not punch it back in. Mm-hmm. But the Dark Knight Rises taught me, yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, Matt, what has The Dark Knight Rises taught you? Never burn letters, is what <laughs> I learned from the diary. There's a scene where Alfred and Batman are fighting. Bruce Wayne is really loves, uh, like, he, he... Surprise, surprise, Bruce Wayne hasn't gotten over Maggie Gyllenhaal, which, like, isn't even in this movie, and is, like, eight years between the movies. Like, but he's not over her yet. So, Alfred had a letter from her saying that she wasn't really in love with him. And Alfred says that, and, and Batman's like, you're lying. Batman's like, you're lying. And I don't <laughs> think he was doing his Batman voice. No, but <laughs> he wasn't. But anyway. Batman's return. <laughs> <laughs> and Alfred goes, oh, no, I have a letter, but I burnt it. And that, like, he didn't have the proof. So, like, don't burn letters. Just, just lock them in a drawer or something. 
Okay, Bass, what has the Dark Knight Rises taught you? All right, well, what the Dark Knight Rises has taught me is that if I'm ever, like, in fist combat with someone with a mask, either over their face or over their eyes, that that's the bit that you want to hit to mm. make them hurt the most. So I'm going to take that to the grave, I think. I feel like that uh, requires, like, some kind of gloves or... Like, I feel like punching the mask is going to be the most painful for my knuckles <laughs> yes, if I get yeah, in a fight. Yeah. But it's, they've got the mask there for a reason. They're protecting something. So, like, get in on that, definitely. Here's my question with these uh, Batman-Bane fights. It just seemed like whenever they fought, it was just a fist fight. Like, but doesn't uh, Batman have a belt full of, like, tools and things that he can use in fight? Like, it seemed like he did not really use much in this film in ways of... Anything yeah. other than his hands. Yeah, but that doesn't... Do, like, isn't it clear that um, the reason for that is uh, that the tools and gadgets weren't going to work on Bane? Because he tries that. He tries it twice in the first. Like, he tries to, you know, shock him and then turn it dark and everything like that. And that was never going to overcome Bane because he was, you know, doing it for the wrong reasons. And Bane was the same. Like, Bane had the same ability to use darkness and to use theatricality as Batman did. I like, feel like he, he does have gadgets. Yeah, he's got, I feel like he could have maybe used a grappling hook to swing yeah. around. Or yeah, like I see, I understand your point, but just to shake it up a bit, you can't just have guys like punching each other in the face for whole scenes. Like you got to mix it up with something Batman. It's like swing your cape so he ducks and then you hit him or do something. Because I feel like we just saw a lot of just Batman punching someone else and going, oh, well, like, why has he got all the bat suit and everything? Like, I've got, got to be honest, when I first saw the movie, I didn't like that either, but, like, having sort of seen it a second time, again, it's, like, turned me around to mm-hmm. actually quite liking that element. Okay, yeah. What about, what about the football scene where the, the... And this is in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, where the guy scores the touchdown and he hasn't noticed that the whole film was collapsed. Wouldn't you hear that? Have you ever had your head inside a football helmet? I'm assuming it's not as loud. That's a whatever. no. That, like, if you're assuming that... <laughs> yeah, I'm saying... Yes, yeah, I know you have it, so how can you possibly say that? Yeah, with your head in the helmet and maybe you've got 50,000 people yeah. screaming, there would be a lot of noise. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. you'd feel it yeah, rumbling or something, it, yeah. but the guy just running his yeah. flat out anyway. I don't anyway. think that was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It probably saved his life because if he had looked back to see what was yeah. happening, he would have got swallowed up. So <laughs> I thought that I thought that scene immediately before that was the problem, the <laughs> national anthem. <laughs> well, I didn't like the American overtones in the film. Like I like America a lot, but mm. I didn't like the American overtones in the I film. I thought that was possibly the best scene in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's quite a lot of overt music and sound effects in the film. Yeah. So for everything to just go quiet and it just be this 10-year-old's voice, which is really pure and beautiful voice. In some ways, it was kind of creepy, and I think it sort of fit the sort of foreboding tone of the film. And the way that... And he's singing the National Anthem, which has something about bombs bursting in the air. Like, I thought that actually worked quite well, and you have Bane standing watching him, and there's just, like, a really creepy, ominous feel to it. I actually actually like that. I I, I totally... And I completely agree with that sort of... um, uh, what like getting that out of that particular scene? I guess I guess the problem was it uh, with it was that uh, in addition to all the other American things like the reference to the president and the well, we saw the president exactly, and that's not in the Batman universe. Like Second. the Batman universe is like Gotham's not about a city that's in America; it's its own universe almost. Like like it means that you start to think about like 
the pre- like Batman being in a country, which is not about like Batman is a universal story, and as, as soon as you sort of link it to a country in any way, I think that you're losing a lot of what Batman is. I, I feel think, like yeah, I feel like even without references, there's about like most countries in the world you could rule out Gotham City being in. I think no, just no, from that, the that, setting and people's accents and stuff, it feels very Chicago to begin yeah. oh, with. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you don't know that it's in the USA. It clearly is, but reference to references it makes to you think about yeah. It. American nationality are yeah. kind of I feel a little too overt for my liking. How do you think time works in this movie? Like Batman's sort of going from like the desert back to Gotham, and then you've got sort of this bombs going off in like t- five minutes, but it seems like that's like a fifteen minute scene. Like it seems like in Gotham City, time doesn't operate the same way it does. There in was real something life. very strange going on there. There's reference to the amount of days that it's going to take before something happens, mm. and it kind of plods along, and you see the characters developing, and there's this much time, and it's like, okay, it's going off tomorrow, and you're like, well, oh, we just skip like the yeah, last like yeah. twenty three days, and then we have like the, there's like a, a countdown timer, and it, we see it, and it's like eleven minutes thirty. We come back to it, and in real time, like watching it time, about five minutes later, and it's like ten thirty. Then we go, yeah. and you're like, that was, that, was, that was like five minutes, not one yeah. minute. Yeah. Then we go away for just about another two minutes, come back to it, and now it says 4.30. Yeah. And you're like, where's the consistency? <laughs> and there's no slow motion. There is no slow motion. And there's motion. no reason yeah. for it, because it's just close-ups. Like, thing can, things can happen, you edit it differently to how you planned. But it's just a close-up. You could just run the camera on that, and then pick whichever frames you needed to f- edit to the film. There was no yeah. explanation for it being confusing yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I like I didn't really uh, yeah I thought it was bizarre it wasn't like didn't Bat- Batman like they said like it's a day until it blows up and Batman's not even in the country at this point like like it just seems very like time and geography is a bit all over the place I didn't like this film as much having a countdown in ten minutes like I preferred Dark Knight where it was at any time those people could press the button. Yeah, I think that that um, kind of... It, it did take away from the film in the sense that even though it was two hours and 45 minutes, you got the sense that some things were rushed. Mm. Like, And that's <laughs> yeah. unfortunate in a movie that yeah. goes for so long. Trying to give this uh, a verdict, perhaps, guys? Screen verdict rating for mm. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Um, Matt, what did you think? Uh, well, it might sound like this podcast is a bit critical of the film, but I do like picking holes in plots and, and things. I always find it fun doing that. This was no The Dark Knight to me. Like, I can see they were trying to say something sort of political about, you know, the poor people, the 99%, maybe there's the 1%, and how that's worked and how people are manipulated and everything. But it just seemed a little like there wasn't anything that profound. It just seemed like Bane's a bad guy. You don't really see how people's hearts and minds have changed in this movie by Bane. He sort of just gets these followers almost instantly. Mm. I, I feel like where the Dark Knight, you saw a bit more of the struggle and the, the it seemed a bit more like a chess game between the Joker and Batman with Harvey Dent sort of being somewhere in the middle. So I definitely don't think it's got the greatness that the Dark Knight had. But this is a very good superhero movie. Like, this is a very good movie. Like... You know, I, it's very sad that Noel is not doing any more Batman movies because he does these so well, better than anyone could possibly do. Like, you, you know, like you, you haven't seen a superhero movie done to the to to the degree of these three. Like, I liked Burton's Batman, but um, this is just incredible. It's like it's not a superhero movie; it's a movie. So, 
I, I think I think it's really good. A little disappointed with some things, like I didn't think Bane was the most clever villain in the world, and things. So I, I like it's hard to give it a, a score because, um, but I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a nine out of ten. Well, it gave Spider-Man an 8 out of 10. And it's clearly one better than Spider-Man, <laughs> at least. But like, it's obviously not 10 out of 10 movie. There's obviously... I've got some problems yeah. with it. That's... So, you had high expectations. I Dark Knight. Favourite film of all time. Yeah, I did have huge expectations on it. Uh, and uh, so I think, uh, as a consequence, it was always, like... Never, never does anything ever live up to your expectations. Mm. Having said that, I... Thoroughly enjoyed it and enjoyed it more the second time than I did the first time. Which is something to be said because with The Dark Knight, although it's my favourite movie and I did go to see it twice at the cinemas, I think I probably enjoyed it the first time more than I did the second time. Mm -hmm. You know, I've watched it plenty of times since and enjoyed it every time. But the fact that uh, the enjoyment increased in the movie, like, really um, caused me to uh, think it was an excellent movie despite the flaws. And I think that that's what it is. It's not a bad movie with good things in it. It's an excellent movie that has some flaws Mm. um, because nothing's perfect. Having said that, I think that 9 out of 10 is probably about the squad. You guys give halves at all? Yeah, yeah, you you give a half. Halves and stuff like that. Um, You know, and having said that, I'm not sure whether I'd give it 8 and a half or 9 and a half, really. Um, I think that... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's given the average of those. Perhaps 9 out of 10 is the correct score. Um, The correct score. Yeah. I was super pumped to see this film. I've been looking forward to it. I love Christopher Nolan. I love The Dark Knight. I love Tom Hardy. I was super pumped to see him as the villain. I'd say the first 30, 40 minutes... Like, nothing really happens. Like, I just thought it was, like, event after event with no real cause and effect. I was like, Mm. yeah, we're chasing this guy, but why? We get him. There's no real consequence. Mm. I think it took too long for Bruce Wayne to become Batman. I sort of understood the point of that, but you knew where it was going to go, and I wasn't finding the journey that interesting. I just wanted him to be Batman and do more interesting things. Bane... I like Tom Hardy, but I don't think we got that much out of his performance. And out of the character, I don't think we got to really see him do that many interesting things. It was basically just, like, mess with Batman and, like, I just have this bomb. There wasn't enough of, like, turns, ups and downs, arcs. It was just like, yeah, Batman is eventually going to come stop Bane somehow. Mm. And it was a really long film for there not to be more, I guess, subplots or twists and turns. Mm. Mm. The dialogue was just shocking in some points. Like, it's, um, it was a, there was a lot of just, like, super cliché, like, we're running out of time, what are you waiting for? Let's go. Glad you're here. I just thought it was really lazy writing. It's like, how do you not, when you have this much time, this much expectation, this budget, with some of the best filmmakers in the world, not weed out the dud lines? I, I was just really confused by that. Another thing was that there was so many characters, so many members of the police force. The amount of time they were spent on in the film with police force members just bickering at each other. I was like, I don't care. Look, the guy from Vision Quest and Full Metal Jacket, just shut up. Stop being like a wuss and just join the team. Or <laughs> At some point, I think the most interesting part of the film was, was me playing Spot the TV actor. I'm like, there's Quinn from Dexter. There's Bullet from Prison Break. But from Prison Break, playing the prison guard again. <laughs> so good. A character from Luther not even getting a line, just being an extra that gets punched by Batman. <laughs> that was weird. And so halfway through the film, I felt like the film was losing me. I think, I think a lot of things were just sort of strange and unbelievable and 
some of the things that happened between Bruce Wayne and Marion Cotillard were just kind of laughable. It was sort of like a bad romantic comedy at times. I just thought it was very strange. So I was like, well, this is going to come together. There'll be some awesome action scenes, whatever. There will mm. be some twists and turns. The action scene sucked. It was just two dudes punching each other in the face really slowly that you could saw it just being like, mm. they just push fast forward in the edit room afterwards. Mm. Like, I don't know how you don't have enough money to choreograph interesting fight scenes if you're just going to make two dudes mm. fight each other. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was really disappointing. We get like a couple of twists, like at the very end of the film, which kind of adds something. But at that point, the film had lost me. I just, mm. I just didn't really care. Ultimately, I was so disappointed. So, so disappointed. Like, it's, it's not just didn't live up to expectations. It doesn't live up to expectations for any film. It's below what? average. Oh. The Dark Knight Rises, 4 out of 10. No uh, way! 4 out of four 10. 4 out of 10! <laughs> oh, man. The Rotten Tomatoes readers are going to go ballistic <laughs> at you. <laughs> You're going to get, like... Oh, man. You're going to get picketed. Whoa. Well, Bass gets ready, guys. Uh, I saw the movie with you last night, didn't I, Jonathan? We saw it. Uh, did we? Yeah. We uh, invited yeah, some we friends did. along. I just wondered why yeah. you asked it as a question. <laughs> we invited some, invited some friends along, and you had, like, six friends rock up, and I had none. So, again, Jonathan wins the social sweepstakes. Um, for a very, We've got a very special treat, don't we? Apparently. We'll see how special it is. I'm sceptical. Okay. That well, weird sound you hear is Baz warming up in the corner. <laughs> He's blowing on something. He's putting on his mask. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Say something funny, Baz, like Paul Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> you actually get that. <laughs> yeah. Just agree with us like Paul Schaefer. <laughs> yeah, um... So uh, we've got a very special treat. Um, people have been asking for music on the podcast for a while. Bass doesn't just um, doesn't just like watching Batman. He also can uh, he plays saxophone. He won the University Medal uh, music, and he's uh, put together a little uh, Batman inspired uh, tune for us to play out the podcast. Take it away, Bass. Take it away. <laughs> Mitzvah, <laughs> my favourite song that we played the podcast out on, but uh, it was okay. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>